Welcome, everyone, to episode 43. (laughs) Welcome to Upon Further Review. This week we are talking about, that's right, Sound of Music musical with Julie Andrews, Christopher Plummer, and Nazis. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Jonesy. What up, motherfucker? <laughs> and I am, of course, Noah Kinsey. We're let's let's get into it. Let's just right now jump just, right into it. What's dive your, on it. What's your summation of the Sound of Music, the 1965 musical? Uh, the only thing that I can honestly think at the moment is, I felt like my heart sung the entire time. <laughs> the entire time like of that. this movie, I like that. I felt so happy and so giddy. And this is an old-ass movie. 1965? Like, 20 years before I was even thought of. Like, mm-hmm. I was still swimming around my dad's balls. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this movie was just such a wonderful, wonderful experience, yeah, I feel. Um, so, yeah. I'm right there with you. I I grew up watching this. I grew up uh, immersed in musicals because my parents loved them, and we'd go see musicals. And mm-hmm. re-watching this, I'm like, am I? is it just going to... It's going to be one of those where I remember it from my childhood, and then when I'm older, it just doesn't really have that magic that I remembered. No, it does. Yeah. Well, it's magical. The interesting thing is, like, for you, uh, my curiosity is asking, is it nostalgic? Right? So, like, does it give you this nostalgia feeling the same way I feel about when I have a McDonald's cheeseburger? (laughs) (laughs) But I've never seen this movie before. This is my first time seeing it, and it gave me the same feely goods Mm -hmm. as, as you did. So my assumption is... It's not nostalgia. No. It's no. just a good-hearted film, in my opinion. And now, being more in the filmmaking world, I watched it in a different way than when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. So what do you think was the difference? Um, well, as a kid, it's just, you know, it's based on emotion. It's based on the feels. It's mm-hmm. based on just the, the way it's family. to be done. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. But then you watch it from the technical side, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. It is... Um, and we can just kind of get into it now. It is so smart how they craft the story narratively. Oh, yeah. Like, you kind of, you know, it's almost, uh, so you have the story of what's happening in Austria. Mm-hmm. Very the, sprinkled in very lightly. At the start. Yeah. Very lightly. There's just the tiniest hints at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And just little seeds that they're planting. But they didn't even plant those things until almost after the first act. Well, but they brought in the guy who came with the Baroness. Who was hinting? And yeah, even, but that was that was even that was even on the other side of the first act, though. True. Okay. So there. So I guess another one was was it Rolf? He mentioned something about someone coming, and there was rumblings of stuff happening in mm-hmm. Austria. Yes. Yeah. So that was like the first little teeny tiny something, right? And and which is was more interesting to that point because you thought the bear, they were kind of planning something in some weird way, mm-hmm. you know, to try to get the, you know, the captain's money or something along those lines. And eh. but they it were was, just kind of feeling him out to see how he'd be if things turned to the rake, mm-hmm. you know. And but it was just so interesting how they the stories 
intersected in a way where it's not even like kind of like where you see in some movies where there's a little bit of something and a lot of another and then there's the crossover and then they switch right whereas this one i felt when they crossed they just stayed together through the whole movie just seamlessly right you know, they just kind of came together. So it was more mm-hmm. like a sideways, and like, why? Yeah, and it wasn't even very heavy-handed. Because I no. feel like for the time, a movie like this can go go so far to the Reich side, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and it's clouded, right? Because the story wasn't about that. That no. was like the overarching struggle that was happening underneath, which you kind of really got to understand the captain's... Um, his demeanor about everything Mm -hmm. right obviously you know he breaks it down throughout the film and yada yada but you understand why he is such a um a stoic type of personality from the get-go and i'm okay with that and i like that we focus more on the family than we did on the third reich moving i mean austria got fucking ruined yeah during during this time period um but they it was at the just right at the start and the way that they visually showed that stuff throughout this film mm-hmm. was really well crafted leading up to a wonderful payoff absolutely at the, at the end of this thing um and so for me i was like well done well yeah no done. it's it's just they kind of planted just the subtlest of seeds i mean just almost like throwaway lines that they Mm -hmm. paid off later in a big way yeah and it just kind of just slowly came together right to your point you're like oh but you it's so non-assuming and i mean you see that in different um in different stories whether it's like countries that fall into war or fall into political issues it's never like all of a sudden we were in the shit right it was like oh there's rumblings of stuff Mm -hmm. there was whispers of things and that's just kind of how it happened so i felt like for a musical that was remarkably honest very much so and you know the beautiful thing is i think if you look at the theme of this film is about honesty Mm -hmm. a lot of this is about honesty and about you know not escaping your problems i mean right mild irony within all this is the very end the family escapes right in Uh order to live but at the same time a lot of the but they were stronger than ever right right they weren't running they weren't running away from a problem that they can face head on Mm -hmm. you know what i mean everything that they kind of um were conflicted against throughout the film they could hit head on you know what i mean the relationships between captain and his seven fucking kids jesus christ and they were all close in age and Mm -hmm. that captain doesn't even look that old anyway no i'm like you guys fucked a lot for a dude that's out and see a lot, good for you. That's economy of of spending some time on land, right? My, it's like, honey, I'm thought, here for three though, weeks. Let's get to this now, 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 <laughs> right? Like those are uh, shore babies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, shore leave babies. Um, <laughs> that was but, what I was looking for. That for but, but my my question was like, are they all from the same wife? I'm assuming. Because they don't look like they're all from the same wife, no. though. I don't know. There was a bit Are of me they that from was the same, same father. <laughs> Touche. He's going to be gone for three months. I know, right? Yeah, baby, cheers. And he's bad at math. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that one has kind of black hair, kind of like you do. Neither of us are gingers. So, um, maybe that one's not yours. <laughs> maybe. I jerked off the milkman one time. <laughs> All right, Jesus. How come Sue we don't have the same gardener as when I was home last? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's why she's not around because he strangled her ass. <laughs> <laughs> this is, but in all honesty, like uh, the you know the theme of um, 
of the the strength you know, of the family, strength of I family. think. Well, it's not even the strength of family, in my opinion. I, I really do feel that it was just not escaping, you know, not running away from your problem, mm-hmm. right? That, that was That's really That's a good point, because that song about not being afraid, like, wet with the courage. thunder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the whole uh, confidence uh-huh. song when she's getting to the Which family. Which is the only song I don't like in this movie. I don't really like it either, but I felt like it was one of those songs that was... Every musical has that. That's the thing. So every musical, I really, you know, I've said this to people and they kind of look at me stupid, but I really think um, every movie that's based off of a book should be a musical because... Oh, Jesus. That's a a bold statement. But I will tell you why. One of the reasons that I feel that book movies based on books fail is because books can tell you inner monologue and inner thoughts and things like that right that you are impossible movies right right, right. whereas musicals the point of a lot of the songs is to get out what the person's thinking so you mean to tell me that like 50 shades of gray would have been way better as a musical um i think that would have been way better if it was burned um (laughs) no but i had to stop reading that book because it was turning me on too much really you're just I was like, I was thinking about it. I was like, honey, I'm gonna have to choke you. Just gonna have to get to it. Sorry, I'm Mr. Gray. Sorry, or I'm Edward. This is so confusing. Is it Twilight fan fiction? I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I just feel, and so I get the point. Yeah. Of of that song because that's in, and I think that was kind of my, my problem is well, because musicals, uh, Sound of Music, all their songs are phenomenal yeah whereas that one's like and it's just a typical musical well you want to know something about that particular song was that song was written for this movie just for the there's two songs i don't remember the other one but there's two songs that were written just for this okay yeah i know this one was Uh this wasn't even in the stage play you know in the musical musical which it would have been weird weird to like uh it's a montage basically yeah and they do this twice by the way to block this it would have been weird exactly and they do i mean if you're thinking about it from a play standpoint, like could you imagine doing a stage montage on stage? That'd be kind of cool where like the the stuff is interchanging. They're on the track. It, you know, exactly. And they're kind of moving through as the character's moving this way. And I, like that could have been kind of cool. I mean, we've seen it before. You know, I've done it when I was in theater. Not to probably this scale Broadway could do it. But um, but they they use that as a as a tool a lot. Not a lot. They use it really well throughout this film, in my opinion. Um with with the first with that song the confidence song right uh-huh. and then they do it again with the Doresi Famito Latido song that they do sure they, a for effort thank you <laughs> <laughs> choir was not my all favorite of, all of my musical friends are like oh no <laughs> butchered it <laughs> my ears are bleeding yeah right do re mi fa sa la ti do does that cool. sound right? Super close. All right, whatever. I'm probably mixing something else in there. Doe a deer a female deer. <laughs> oh, we're gonna do that. Ray tropical golden sun. Thank you. Me. A name oh, I call myself. That's adorable. Fa, a long, way, a long, long way to run. That's true. Fa. So, a needle pulling thread. Right. Got it. La, a note to follow. Soul. Adorable. Ta. Tea. Tea. Oh, it's a drink top. with jam and bread. Tea. Tea. That's, that's it. And that is what brings us back to dough. Ah, uh, gotcha. Thank you for clarifying <laughs> that. I really appreciate it. See, it's super it. simple when you pay attention. <laughs> it's super simple when you've been singing it for the last week, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally yesterday was like whistling it at the gym. I'm that the weird guy song? at the gym. All of them. All of them? Oh, Jesus. All of them. That's pretty funny. Um, they get stuck in your head. They're so good. They really do. Well, they're so and they're catchy. They're catchy and they're memorable. Yeah. The Edelweiss yeah. is hauntingly beautiful. I know. Which Christopher Plummer didn't like it. He, he didn't really like the part. His he part in this hated movie. Being in this. From he was drunk during their uh, 
the family performance uh-huh. towards the whole group when they escape. Uh-huh. He admits he's like, I was drunk. Oh. But he hated in being in this. He still hates it. Well, he hated it probably because he's a pretentious asshole, and he came from like a like a time theater. period in 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 Britain where just but like his background's theater. Well, that's my point though. Like this guy's like, if I'm not doing fucking Shakespeare, I'm doing this la la, you know, bullshit. This, you know what I mean? I meant to do Caesar, right? Like. Yeah. There was, but you know, this is going to stand the test of time versus the other And the shit. funnier part is, you know, I was reading an article about that motherfucker talking about this thing. He's like, I don't even know why people like this movie that much. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because it's a good fucking feeling movie. For the 50th anniversary, he still was like throwing shade at it. It's like, dude, you've won. You've like, this movie has done so well. Why are well, you why still are you talking shit so about much? it? This isn't showgirls, bro. Right. Yeah. But literally. he treats it like that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, there was another really movie it. that he he took this instead of another movie, and he still regrets it. And it's like, dude, are you? This is one of the most beloved movies, literally in the world. Right. You have South Korea, who this this movie did so well that it they were theaters there were showing it four to five times a day, which is weird for over there. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and probably to be honest, back in like the sixties and seventies, probably weird over here to mm-hmm. do it that much, unless it was Star Wars. But one of the theaters figured out how to show it even more. By taking out the songs. What? <laughs> what? Can you imagine being like, oh, I love this how movie. How is that a movie anymore? <laughs> like, no. the whole movie is fucking songs. I don't understand how the hell that works. <laughs> Can you imagine between, the like, getting to the end of a scene and the beginning of another one with the song out of it, you were like, huh, wh- what? Yeah, or like... Like, you, you're missing like so much of the story. She's about sing and then just cut stone-faced. You know what I mean? We're like, that's just like, you're about to bust and they just let it go. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa, whoa. That is movie blue what? balls. That is cinematic blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> so true, though. It like, is. how could you do that? I don't understand how that could actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting, this this week, actually, I came across a, uh, there's a YouTube video. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was talking about, like, do you remember any of the Marvel superhero score. Oh, I saw that video. Right? Can you can you remember can you hum back to me the Marvel score? Dum 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 boom. Who you know, but if I, I if I mean. asked you to hum me it's back It's not the as Jurassic memorable as like score. a John Williams. Right. Right. And so they were saying, you know, a lot of these older films, like films these days, they're not as memorable from a from a score standpoint. From the I would music. say they don't have that special place in your heart that other ones do. Right. But I mean, the other ones had a you don't even know they had a special place in your heart when you watched it. You just knew that it added something very um, unique to the story. Well, we talked about that the last two movies, mm-hmm. how important sound was. We talked about that in Birth of Nation and in Godfather Part Two. Well, we mean, even talked about that in fucking uh, Searchers, Searchers, and uh, the uh, Space Odyssey. And for some reason, we didn't talk about it in Waterworld. Hmm, oh, yeah. crazy. Weird. <laughs> What's the Waterworld theme? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a sound of pee being put through a purifier, so you can uh, drink it. That's it. Yeah, and explosions. And, ex- and explosions. And explosions. But my point, you know, to all this stuff is like the the one thing that they found the reason why most of those um, scores are very cinematic, like Star Wars or you know, uh, Indiana Jones, not just because it's John Williams doing them because one of the, you know, some of the most iconic ones too are from like Danny Elfman. You yeah. Know which I, mean? like I the, saw that fucking, video and he's the, talking about it. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, he, he does it too. The, di- the thing is, is that they're, they're used in repetitive motion. Mm-hmm. 
So you have the overscore theme of the hills, the the, the sound of music, yeah. right? And you open it up with this beautiful sweeping landscape, you know, leading to this sets the world. It really does, and it and setting the the tone of the film right away, right? Um, and you take that theme of that song and you sprinkle it throughout the entire film. Which they did beautifully. Right. And so that repetition becomes something uh-huh. that we identify the film yeah. with. It brings your emotions back to a place where they want you to be. Exactly. So then, so it's always calling it back, you know? And obviously there's other songs within all this stuff, but that, that particular song became the through line yeah. for, the, for the overall score, you know? Yeah. Indiana Jones has done it. Dun, 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 or you know, I mean, Jurassic Park's done it. You know what I'm saying? Like they've they've all been there. And then, like what John Williams does so well is that he'll take that like bum 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 bum, but then he'll go like bum 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 yeah yeah. He has like four or five versions of a song in all the movies. And it's amazing how you can do that, mm-hmm. you know. And within this, you know, you're thinking about a musical, and I think what the director did extremely well is he sprinkled that theme throughout this entire thing. Yeah. And then when the moments needed it, you know, he brought it up, and they swelled it, and then when the moments didn't need it, he brought it right back down to fit the tone and the emotion, even though it was not all over the place, but there was, you know, there was other songs within it and themes and all those types of things that kind of came with it, and I felt like, wow, mm-hmm. that's really cool. And that's why these that's why these songs become so ingrained yeah. in us is repetition. Uh-huh. Repetition, repetition. Mm-hmm. And they're like subliminally doing it to us without us even really noticing it. Yeah. And that's why they're so goddamn good. Yeah. At least for me, that's why I feel like, fuck, man. Good for you. Right. You know, good, good for, for you. you. Um, this particular film was rather interesting to me because I always love looking at, at characters from, you know, what their main flaws are and how their flaws kind of articulate the, their strength at the same exact mm-hmm. time. You know, for me, looking at good stories, I always find a good protagonist's flaw is also that protagonist's strength, but done so far over to an actual fault. So, like, hers was kind of being more carefree? Or what would you say? It's not about being carefree because I don't feel like she was carefree because if she was carefree, she would have stuck around after she found out that that dude loved her. Yeah. Right? What it is is she's too outspoken. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Her main flaw, and she even says it, is I'm too outspoken. And as soon as she said I was like, that's really interesting because she is. I mean, they have a whole song about Maria. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you, base, solve, how do you solve this problem? But here's the thing. There's no real problem here. No. Right? And I think that's what the Mother Superior was like. That's why there was so much love where it's like, mm-hmm. this just isn't where she you're supposed to be. She Yoda. Yeah. She's like, this isn't where you're supposed to be. Mm, need to go sing with the other families, <laughs> you know. Like uh, for me, and that that was a really cool character for her, mm-hmm. right? Like she, we needed that in some weird way. You don't know much about that um, about the the mother, right? The not the mother of the kids, but the the nun, yeah, right. But there's a moment in there where she sings a song to her. Almost in the same sense when she needs to go back to the captain to be like, you know, maybe your love is meant other other ways, you know, and doesn't mean that you love the Lord any less, but you have a lot of love to give. There's other ways to serve him. Exactly. And these people, you know, you can give your love to eight other people. Exactly. But the beautiful thing in that moment, in that scene for me, was that you have this this nun that is singing to her, telling her these types of things, where every, any nun, I think it for me would be like 
well, you know, you got to stick around. This is, you know, you need to be here. You need to be there, you know? No, she was just like, then you don't really need to belong here in a way that maybe she gave up too early herself. Sure. And you get that sense of that feeling in the music. She saw something in her that she recognized in herself. Right. Maybe maybe she jumped in. Maybe she lost, you know, the love and she maybe, you know, but yet she's committed now. And now Mm -hmm. she, she's not going to go back on, on what she promises to the Lord, but here's a girl that's not a nun just yet. And I don't want her to make not the same mistake, but I don't want her to miss out on giving somebody, you know, her service. You know what I mean? And to which end, you know, the beautiful thing about, uh, Maria is just her ability to be that, honest and i love um julie andrews because she plays these characters so well yeah you know what i mean and to be honest with you i'm like okay so this movie came out in 1965 and i was like it's just like i'm a motherfucking mary poppins or something yeah she was kind of typecast very briefly as being barren being right and to, think <laughs> no poor thing <laughs> <laughs> who's that hot bitch they ain't got no kids huh <laughs> uh <laughs> but to to the other end of it you know uh she basically it was basically mary poppins without the whimsy totally you know what i mean like she's been saying though the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious just to the kids mm-hmm. to like entertain them during off shooting but it, the film hadn't come out so some of the kids thought like she made that up for them oh that's adorable mm. that's pretty cool actually but you know i did feel there was a little bit of mary poppins esque in there but totally. she got off of it a year later and yeah. now she's working on the sound of music so i'm like okay i kind of get it you know but the mary poppins story is really nice because it's same type of father character that needs to kind of learn to love and let go and you know and not escape to work and all those types of things kind of the same themes throughout Mary Poppins the only difference is she actually gets the dick yeah right. by the very end of this I'm like she doesn't need go. no sloppy chimney sweeps yeah exactly exactly so I mean to which end I really I really enjoyed the the strength and the flaw that she had because mm-hmm. the flaw really really pushed people's buttons to the point of um, insecurity yeah but at the same time, they needed to be pushed over that boundary to really see the truth, right? And then that came through with the honesty. Mm-hmm. She was honest with those kids. She wasn't lying to those kids. She was very upfront with those kids. And then in return, she was the same. She was she got the same thing back. Yeah, you know that's how she earned the respect. Yeah, could they have done it a little bit more smoothly? I think it happens rather quickly. But yes. that's kind of a musical thing. Because that's when I was watching yeah. it the first time, I'm like, wow, like I will never like you. And the minute she uh, was going to help that girl get dry or whatever she's uh-huh. like she's like oh, i was wrong yeah exactly and all the kids and even the 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 father switches the minute he hears those kids singing he's like and i'm a sweetheart now. yeah yeah and yeah, i'm a yeah. I'm, i went from a lion to a cub yeah but it's like that's kind of just the musical and that's not right. having them be stubborn really isn't the point of the story right you know so to kind of do that would almost feel disingenuous to musicals and to yeah, this like I, story i mean to which end i mean <sighs> Because you can't, like, in musicals, the music is magic. Yeah. The music, like, softens hearts that breaks right. down walls. And to have it not do that is, like, would I mean, be what, frustrating what's to have two more songs vulnerable. to get. Yeah, well, then what's more vulnerable than singing right. for somebody? Especially, totally. like, the way that they do that stuff. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. The... um the thing that I, I mean, there was a couple of moments that kind of choked me up a little bit because they built the pacing and like the story beats really nicely mm-hmm. to like where we earn those moments very much. Um, the captain, you know, the Christopher Plummer. Who is phenomenal. Phenomenal. I can't believe he hated How much doing he this. hates that? Oh, come on. That does Chris. not make sense because he was a professional. He's Chris. a consummate professional because he was amazing in this. Yeah. I was about to Even say. Even though that wasn't his singing voice. It wasn't? Uh-uh. Oh, that's he sad. recorded... 
both him playing guitar and singing, he recorded it, but both of those were dubbed over. Oh. Even Mother Superior, that was somebody else. She didn't even attempt. She said, I'm just, I'm too old to do this singing. I wonder if that would have brought more vulnerability, though, to the scene. Maybe. But she couldn't hit those high notes. And Uh. in fact, she was having a hard time when they did record it. She had a hard time matching up the dubbing at the start. Uh So that's why the director had her look out. Uh, so that by the time she turned around, she had already synced up with the dubbing. Oh, interesting. But it added moments. There's a lot of mistakes or a lot of weaknesses mm-hmm. in production that were actually used beautifully. Like that ah, cool. was like kind of introspect, you know, like looking out there and kind of being very thoughtful and then using that for her to like as an actress to sync up with the sound mm-hmm. to turn around and then do like lip sync. Same thing with Julie Andrews when she tripped during the Confidence song. That wasn't part of it. Oh, but really? the director kept it in because he thought it would fit perfectly with her being nervous and yeah. psyching herself up even though she wasn't confident. Yeah, see, and I you know, I watched this stuff and I was just like, it just felt, I didn't, I didn't even think two things of it. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know? I like the uh-huh. you know the little moment of her tripping. I was like, oh, that's like a nice yeah, little, adds, that's a nice little you know little little can, little sugar on top, you know. And even the way that Julie Anders at the start runs up the mountain, she kind of like the way that she was going about. She's trying to brace herself. There were so many mm-hmm. takes that were ruined because the helicopter blades were too powerful. Oh, and so the, it's knocking her over. So it's huh? knocking her over. Ah. And so the final one, or you know, then there was one where she finally kind of got the attention to try and tell him to like back off the helicopter, uh-huh. and instead of backing it off. He just gave her a thumbs up because he liked that take. Oh, shit. So, like, it worked. The way nice. she kind of waved her arms was more to be like, move the helicopter yeah. back. And it's like, that's in the film. Right. I mean, it's so crazy to think that, like, those sweeping shots back then, you know, they can be done so easily now. Yeah. Like, so Oh, easily. I was thinking that, too. Like, the like, technicality wow. of that in 1965 was not a walk in the park like it no. is now. And those cameras weren't fucking small back then. Mm-hmm. They had to mount that thing on a damn helicopter. Probably somebody's, like, hanging out of the side of that fucking thing, you know? And you could see, like, the camera wobbling like it's not the best take in the entire world but i mean if they did a bunch of them i was because literally i was watching that opening fucking shot you know right when we get introduced to maria and i was just like damn it's perfect it sets that's the thing i've i've only seen i've seen a lot of musicals in the theater i've never seen this in like a theater setting because i don't want to because i can't austria Actual Austria plays such a, an important character in this movie that I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't imagine it being that good on the stage. Oh, I just like stay stage? Yeah, you stage, mean? stage. Got it, got it. Like, I just, I, I just, I can't. I can't imagine because it's so, this the 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 art direction, the, you know, the location, because they were there, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because initially, uh, when they talked with, I want to say the mayor of that town, mm-hmm. they uh, weren't sure how the people would feel about having Nazi flags up so soon after it actually happened. Yeah, because it was only, what, 20 years or something like yeah, that? 20 yeah. 20-year difference? Yeah, not even. I mean, well, no, yeah, yeah, about 20 years since all that shit kind of um, faded away. And uh, he's like, oh, no, they'll be fine. But there were some concerns from the citizens. So the production was just going to use um, stock footage from when they actually occupied that city. But the townspeople had a problem with that because they kind of, um, I don't know, out of fear or whatever, what have you, they kind of were in the stock footage. They were welcoming the Nazis to the town. So they're like, well, that may, that'll make us look bad. So I guess we're okay with you putting flags up. <laughs> <laughs> flags are better than us hand glad hand with these cocksuckers. Oh my goodness. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, pretty awesome. Okay. Um, 
to coming back to the 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 characters, right? I love how in a story like this you have a a family that is so ruled by structure and in order to break that structure you bring in somebody that is so ruled by like their spontaneity. But right? she saw through that shit. She saw that through that structure totally. was so overcompensating for his grief. Totally, but to which end it becomes a really great study in creating characters that help get what they need but not what they want. Yeah. Right? Because like what what the captain wanted was her just s- following the rules. Well, that but he also wanted just mil- militant children. Totally. He wanted a militant wife. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's exactly who he would have got with the Baroness, right? Just proper. Pro- exactly. I would proper is to a point, but I really want to say militant. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because at the same point, he wanted her to probably dress when she wanted to dress and yeah. be the way that she needed to be and yada yada. Because it's all about appearances, right? Totally. Where in order to break that and to take that shell, you know, take the, the armor off, you had to throw a character like Julie Andrews. Such into a free this, spirit. such a free spirit and willing to just be that vulnerable and honest with everybody around her at her own to her own detriment, you know? So for me, it's really nice to, to look at this story and think like, well, why did I care so much about these people is because, because of that purpose, you know, they're, you see what they need and it's not exactly what they want, but they get exactly what they need, which yeah, makes like the, the overarching elements of this film so much more rewarding by Mm -hmm. the end of this. And I was just like, yeah, you know, even more over to the same point with, um, you know, the, the, he brought music back into the house or Uh she brought music. Sorry. She brought music back into the house and to which end, like he saw something that he hasn't seen for a really long time, probably nothing from her first husband. I mean, from her, from his first wife. I'd imagine music was an important part of his first wife's life. And that's why he, pushed it aside through his grief. Yeah, right? And, you know, there was a moment where these kids start singing these songs. She kind of comes alive again, uh-huh. right? And 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 he he starts remembering certain moments. And the beautiful thing is we never see any of that. No. It's all inferred in such a beautiful way, I think. Yeah. You know? The part that choked me up the most is when he's basically singing um, in the room with the children for mm. the first time. Mm-hmm. like When he walks in after they're performing for the Baroness mm-hmm. and the other dude. Yeah, and then, you know, they were saying, well, you, you know, Maria's basically telling her, telling him that, you know, we all chosen, like, you you do it next. You know, you play something next. And he's like, no, 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 I don't play, I don't play, I don't play. And then they're all like, come on, Dad, you know, come on, you know, do and it. And he does. And he does it, right? And like, it's such a beautiful moment that happens because you find at that moment, I feel, is the moment that he truly falls in love with her. Yeah. Because she basically gave him something back that he thought he's lost forever. Yeah. And I'm like, and you never have to say any of that. And I'm like, this is such a, it choked me up. Yeah. You know, because now these kids are looking at their father being like, we got him back. Mm-hmm. And it's thanks to this damn lady and just you know, being the, who she the is. The older ones are probably the only ones who remember him that way. Right. And that's my point because they're the ones that suggested it. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, that is, and then you get the older ones remembering their dad and who he was. And then you got the younger ones seeing a side of her dad that they've that never they've seen never 
before. seen before. And that, when you that bring, they've wanted so bad. Right. And you have this beautiful moment where he is just so present with all of them right there, not even caring about the other two, but he's so grateful to be in that moment with them. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. You know, whether he sings it or not, whatever. But <clears throat> to which end, that moment got me because he came at it such an asshole from the yeah. get-go, right? And that's how Christopher Plummer wanted to play it out. When he read the script, he he's like, "I, I feel so, I feel so. Uh, it, it, it's, it doesn't work yet, you know. It doesn't it doesn't work too much." So him and the director kind of played with this idea of like, "Well, maybe I play the beginning of this a lot more darker than I need to, so that by the very end of this film." I opened up kind of like the um, the Schindler style, right? Sure. Where Schindler kind of opened up just about money, 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 you know, money hungry, and then by the very end of it, you know, he's I could have done more. I could have done more, right? Fuck that movie still gets me. I know it's that good, part man. just that's when I lost my shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we all lost it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's why I love that moment so much because at that very that very quick three minute scene or whatever it is. You see the armor down, and you see that he's connecting with his kids for the first time in God knows how long. Mm. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely a beautiful moment. Agreed. Choke me up, man. Choke me the fuck up. Yeah, I just... It's interesting, and I was kind of looking up to see where in kind of the historical side of things. And this all took place... I want to say this movie started... (laughs) I don't know the time span of when she moved in versus the end of the movie. Would you say it was less than a year? Would you say it was I would it was say it's about a year. Okay, so... Yeah, that's what it's... That, I mean, that's what it seems like yeah. to me, is about a year. So... Because they keep talking about this festival. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And by the time they actually hit the festival, I mean, you can't... I don't think the guy was planning the festival for like three years later. So pretty much my assumption is this stuff took place from 1937 to the beginning of 1938. And the reason why that is is because of the history of Austria when it came to the Third Reich. So towards the late 30s, uh, Hitler was really using kind of gangster uh, bullying tactics Tactics, because he wanted to kind of like what – who, I can't think what the dude's name is. Stalin wanted – like with the USSR and kind of bringing everybody together – Hitler wanted to bring together all German-speaking countries and make a new Germany. And Austria is where he grew up, and he mm-hmm. wanted Austria. And um, so there was a lot of rumblings. There was uh, Nazi agitators within Austria. And uh, the chancellor was invited up to talk to Hitler. Mm-hmm. And chancellor was kind of hoping that he could kind of – there's a lot of rumors. He was hoping he could kind of subdue the situation mm. and went up there because it was just going to be a pleasant conversation. Well, Hitler welcomed him with multiple military leaders basically saying, you need to follow these demands. You need to take out of prison all the Nazi agitators that you jailed for doing shit within the country. Mm-hmm. You need to appoint our man as the head of your um, – the interior defense or whatever, the head of your police basically. Mm-hmm. And all of these different concessions, and the chancellor's. I mean, this this went on for a long time. Hitler went from screaming to telling him to screaming again, and the chancellor's like, "Well, even if I want," and he was trying to have him sign the document. He's like, "Well, I can't. I have to get to a president." He's mm-hmm. like, "You will do this." Um, took it back to the president. The president's like, "I know." uncertain you know no no way we're doing this uh-huh. to the point where hitler was going to invade um and oh the other thing was they actually were going to have an election the president's like let's have an election to see what the people say uh-huh. and hitler that pissed hitler off so he was going to invade but because he didn't want to piss off mussolini he sent messengers to Muss- Mussolini to get like his 
blessing. Mm. So it stayed off this so election. So like mob mentality, man. Totally, because they were like in cahoots, you know? Yeah. Um, and Hitler didn't want to rock the boat because he was having some good everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so they because of the threat of being invaded, they called off the election and the president actually conceded he let out the Nazi sympathizers slash agitators from prison. He, uh, he appointed the person that Hitler wanted to be the head of the police. Um, and the minute that guy was appointed, he went up to Germany to get his commands from Hitler. And when he came down, the Nazi agitators within Austria started causing a lot of shit and causing a lot of chaos. And because the one dude was the head of the police department, they did nothing. Oh, shit. And they let all this shit go on to the point where, like, it was getting out of control and something had to be done. And uh, about that time, Mussolini, the message came back saying, like, you can have Austria. They mean nothing to me. And Hitler was, like, overjoyed saying, like, I will fu- like I will support you for forever because you did this for me. And they invaded, uh, I want to say, March 20th of 1938. So the fact that all of this shit's happening... You know, they're getting taken over and everything like that's happening at the end of the film. So I'm assuming that's about when it happened, because Mm -hmm. that's when Nazis started really taking over Austria. And when all this stuff happened, England and France did nothing. Yeah, (laughs) they literally did nothing. Yeah, they didn't want to be honest with you. At that point, they didn't want to get into it just yet. They were like, I I don't know how this is going to affect us. Right, right. I mean, France got it fucking horrible, especially with the Blitzkrieg. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, the, uh, The Austrians got it like super super bad. Sure. I mean, they were favored by Hitler because he wanted his homeland part of this. Mm -hmm. So he, it was a major press. Like they invaded that country. (sighs) They took it over and they had it for a while. Did they? Yeah. And one of, uh, in the real Von Trapp family, one of Hitler's generals stayed in that house for years. Like he got the house. He got the Van Trapp house. Did he really? Yeah. And the the truth with uh, the Von Trapps is um, they didn't go over a mountain. Because that mountain range that was near them, if they went over there, they would have gotten to Hitler's mountain estate in Germany. Uh, they actually got on the train. Uh, I don't remember what country they went to before they fled they to the United States. Fled to the U.S. Well, I you know, so they didn't actually go to Switzerland, right? And I mean, through the through the history of it all, right? I think them crossing the mountain it was symbolic, was symbolic, right? totally symbolic for the family. And it was just, I think it's funny. This like, if they cross that mountain, guess what? You're gonna say, "Hey, Hitler!" <laughs> like, <laughs> you're gonna say, "Oh shit, Hitler. your vacation house." <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! <My> bad. <laughs> Can we use your hot tub? Yeah, it's, it's cold. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, right. So uh, we were just relaxing on this mountain. <laughs> Whoops, Daisy. Just taking some sun. <laughs> this is nice. Thank you. This is nice sun. Right. Um. So what did, what did you think about the Baroness? How did you feel about her character? Because I was like, at some at one point, I was just like, oh, this bitch is just a gold digger. But then, I don't know. I, uh, I was kind of curious. I was torn. I'm torn whether or not she's throwaway or whether or not she's actually a conduit for the story mm. because she kind of gives the blessing to both of them. Right. She's the one that opens Maria's eyes that he loves her. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, I can't believe you can't see it because I do. Right. But she's also the one saying, like, admit it, you love her. Yeah. So she's kind of the matchmaker in this whole thing. Right. That's what I thought, too. But I think at the start. I think you you're conditioned because you want these two to get together. You're conditioned to not like her. And growing up, I didn't care for her. Mm. But watching it now with you know with purpose and with a narrative lens to it, mm-hmm. 
you look at that character and it's very smartly written because, you know, whereas I used to think as a throwaway bad guy or whatever, like right. she's the obstacle and she's not. But when you look at what she is, she's basically, uh, you know, a uh, um, socialite mm-hmm. is what she is. She has a lot of money. She comes from wealth. She comes from status. She's kind of just playing the part because that's what you do. Right. You know, I think it was pretty awesome of her and out of character to be very selfless and be like you guys love each other right because i don't even necessarily too because i don't even necessarily when she told maria i don't think she was saying get away from my man at all like i you know i was watching that scene i actually watched it twice because i was curious if she's trying to infer something different and you know what she was just very honest i think she was saying like here here's what he thinks of you how do you feel mm-hmm. so she can get a clear idea 100 percent. you know what i mean of whether i want to stick around and i loved the heart of who she was because of that yeah she loved the you know she loved the uh the captain totally but she's she, <laughs> i think she wanted to be with him for sure but she didn't want to stand in the way of something that seemed real right exactly and i think to me that was more um more rewarding than her trying to get the one up or something like that over who she was you know over maria's character the interesting thing that i really really loved too was that i don't i'm i would be curious to see how would maria ever find out because she is so like closed off to that possibility sure. that i mean how would you how would you play how did you have played that out and it was such a unique because that's also kind of a weakness right exactly right and it's such a great character with the baroness to come in and fill that point like that's why that character was there because she did like you were saying you know she became the matchmaker yeah opening up their eyes to one another because maria has one of her weaknesses she has blind spots Mm -hmm. she needed mother superior to be like you don't really want this yeah and she needed the baroness to be like he loves you yeah because she just is so and She's so th- of service to everybody else. She doesn't look at what she needs. Sure. Yeah. You know? 100%. Yeah. I think that's a really great way of externalizing that, whatever that is. Because, yeah. And the good part is, is that she surrounded herself because she is a good person with people around her that are are willing to, even as comfortable as it may be, like for the Baron, Baroness actually just give her some truth man yeah you know what i mean and the irony you know she she runs away from it right she escapes it but you can't keep escaping these types of mm-hmm. things and she comes back and she actually gets what she deserves yeah. in some form or fashion so for me i was like i don't know man that was a that was a really rewarding way for me 100%. to just be like good job lady. that was a character that i never thought twice about in the past but i'm like she's so important she's to so this. important to that exactly but kind of to your point about a lot of things not needing to be said mm. her significance it didn't need to hit the nail on the head so hard <laughs> i was thinking about that too but then again i mean well, no, it I think a they four did hour it movie, well. I guess. No, I think they did it well with her. Like, I uh, feel I like you're saying like her conversation with her is like on the nose. No, I think whatever. that was good. But I'm just saying they didn't need to be like, oh, I'm important. Like right, you can no. kind of have that character that I felt, even though she was such a socialite, she was underscored. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of got the feeling like she went through the motions because that's what her family, that's what's expected of her in right. her status. Mm-hmm. You have to do this. But, you know, there was some truth in her character to be like, but she's still going to do what's right for other people. Right. When she didn't have to. Like, the guy that came with her is unbearable. I know. You know? And <laughs> but it's then like, he redeems himself at the very end, too, though. Mm-hmm. Right? So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I'm I think just, this movie, the theme was, like, truth. Yeah, honesty. Right? Like, 
honesty. Um, <laughs> one of the ones that I kind of wrote down, like music heals all. Yeah. Right. Because the you know the music heals her, uh-huh. Maria. Right. The music heals the kids. The music heals the captain. You know, it becomes the thing that bonds them all together as a family by the very end of this film. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like music does kind of in some form or fashion heal all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do you know not being able to escape from your problems. With the again the irony that by the end of this film that's exactly what they had mm-hmm. to do they had to kind of escape this particular but they problem escaped but they, together right stronger 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 so mm-hmm. um, the last the last beat that I really want to talk about though is the end scene the ending moment where he gets he comes back and you know he's married already with with Maria and. He has to, he gets the, the letter telling him, you know, the summons, if you will, yeah. you know, for, for his service to the Third Reich. And he doesn't want to, right? He doesn't, I mean, he has such a beautiful line basically saying that if I go, it's, you know, if I don't go, it's death. But if I do go, it's basically. He didn't know, believe in the cause. He didn't at all. I mean, him ripping the 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 flag, you know, when he came home from the, from his mansion, if you will, his estate and. The last beat to me is so wonderful because it's one of those things where it was so well built up for the entire movie. The captain kept saying, um, I don't want them to perform. I don't want them to perform. I don't want them to Mm. perform at this festival because I feel deep down he knew what this festival was meant for. Yeah. And he didn't want to be. It was like kind of like in high school you have the homecoming to jazz everybody up about what you're about ready to do exactly right so it's like the pep rally for the third right coming in almost is what yep, it was 100 percent. that's what that's it seemed absolutely like absolutely what it was and he i feel like he knew that that's why he did not want the kids to actually go through that right so by the very end of this thing in order for him to get out of going to jail right away it was a really well done bit of plot devices happening where they were having the rehearsal and the 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 general or whatever you want to call him comes to the the rehearsal and is at and the other guys tell him like everything's going to go according to plan right you're not going to mess with anything and they kept saying the same thing over again um you know we want people to know that austria is going to still remain the way it is yeah everything is going to be the way it is you know, and so for for that moment was really cool because that was an easy plan. When they get caught and they're they're running, as they're running, uh, they basically they're pushing the car and the, they show up or whatever. And the way that they get out of it is saying, "Well, we're going to go play the music." The yeah. one thing that the dad doesn't want to do, yeah, the captain chooses to do it because he knows right now that's the only way that he's going to buy some fucking time, yeah, right. So then. The other guys basically already told him that things are going to be the way they're supposed to be. That gives him the impetus to be like, but then after this, we're going to kill it. you, yeah. <laughs> like, ultimately. Yeah. So that, that moment when they're actually playing the music and singing, you know, you have the captain looking out across that audience. And it's so beautifully sad because the um, the song that he does sing, Errol, er, er, uh, Edelweiss. Edelweiss, thank you. Um, is basically a bye-bye to his country yeah. that he loves so very much, yeah. right? And then you you know, you know, do the callback to the so long farewell as almost kind of like the middle finger to yeah. all those assholes, which I thought was really cool. Uh-huh. And then they kind of, they got away. They were, they, you know, got away as quickly as they possibly could and it bought them enough time, mm-hmm. you know? And that's where the, the one guy um, kind of redeems himself um, at yeah, the very he has that end. smile. Like he really good. does. And he, you know, he, he knows he's doing, he's doing 
He's like, I can't get out of here, but I'm glad that you could make it out. Exactly. You know, because, well, he knew they were going to just kill him. Yeah. Because he wouldn't, you know, and that's a testament well, to the captain's character, yeah. right? Like, he would never, you know, fall to the Third Reich yeah. because he doesn't believe in the cause. He would die yeah. before that. But he has seven other kids and a wife to think about at this point, and he's not going to lose that. Yeah. So it made a lot of sense why he kind of jetted. And then the very last, last beats of this film where, you know, the convent comes back in from the first act and they ultimately kind of save them. They give them a place. You know what I mean? And then the boyfriend from, from the 16 My question is, why is did like, he yell at the end? I don't really understand because the captain wasn't saying anything shitty. He was kind of like, you're a good guy. You're not going to do this. You're not going to kill people. I don't know. I feel like... I don't really understand that part totally. You know, I, I was thinking the same exact thing, but I, the only way that I can at least uh, make it okay in my mind is that you have that moment with him when he's throwing the rocks at the window and the way that their interaction went right then and there. I mean... They're men, and all that all that kid wants, you know, if I'm sitting here looking at that kid, all he wants is respect. Yeah. That's it. That's the only thing he ultimately wants. And he's not going to get it from that guy because, obviously, he told him to get the hell out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a very, you know, passive-aggressive type of way, but we understood. We got yeah. it. So that moment, that last line that he tells him, like, you, are never, you will never be one of them. Yeah. That's basically, in my opinion, was just like... Oh, like shot to Ruffled, his ego. Exactly. Just and then he was just like, Fuck you, man. Yeah. This is where I get my respect. Yeah. You know, which is a beautiful way because that's how they felt. You know, the these people kind of joined Plus he I mean, from his sixteen going on seventeen song, he thought he was the shit. Yeah. He thought he was well, all seventeen knowing. going on eighteen, right? Yeah. <laughs> which you know, as <laughs> when I watched it this time, I'm like, this song's condescending to her mm -hmm. because he's like oh you're so much younger she's a year younger than you bro right like Bruh. and i'm sorry but if you think she's so mature and you want her that says more about you than it does right. her and, and i love that you and know, her you, saying like i will depend on you i'm like oh the uh, song is so yeah. condescending right but that's then, why i love the reprise exactly thank you when you know she's like oh wait i'll find somebody that that, that will respect you as an equal sees me as an equal yeah. exactly and i'm like Way to go, 1965. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And I was like, 1965 via 1937. <laughs> sure, but still, way, way, way ahead a, of the time. You know, I think that was a really good, a good totally. beat because if this was done by Disney, it would have been different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know, man. Well, uh, Maria well, would have been evil because she's yeah, the stepmother, stepmother so yeah. she has to be evil. <laughs> or it turns into the parent trap in some <laughs> way or some, you know, some shit like that. But, um, yeah, the reprival works really, really well. But I feel like that last beat was it was the button on it you know i can see it that. was the because he i mean the ego button man he's he's one of those high school kids where you're like he means well but he's kind of still an asshole right <laughs> like, right so it made sense why he screamed yeah but they got away and they got away at the very end mm -hmm. although i do feel like the last five minutes was just super rushed because sure. it doesn't end on a i mean it kind it of ends on a good note ends. but it abruptly it's ends. super abrupt yeah and i think like out of all the build-up i was like that's that's the ending you're gonna give yeah. me but i get it because it bookends the opening sweeping beautiful landscape yeah. of the austrian it's a nice call you know the alps yeah. and it's a nice end cap yeah agreed like and what i love too is like we we basically you know from a cinematography standpoint we kind of zoomed in to this small village in austria you know what i mean and then we we you know this story happens all within this small little area and then we kind of pull back out almost kind of like you just got done reading a book from start to finish yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. so 
I get it. I just, I don't, I mean, in all honesty, from a movie like this, I don't even know how else you would end it. You yeah, I don't I mean? either. Like, they're going to, you know. Because really, the eh. story isn't even about them escaping Nazis. It's really not. It's really just it's about love showing story. that family together. Yeah, it's a love story. And a fractured family coming together. Right. Based on music and love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the Brady Bunch, but minus she didn't have any kids on the other side. Exactly. <laughs> he and, had all the kids. And her hair looked like a baseball helmet. That is... I liked it, actually. See, I love her, and she's so charming, and she's so wonderful, but about two hours into it, I'm like, oh, that's such an ugly hairdo. Oh, I didn't really... Well, my wife has short hair like that anyway, so it didn't hit me the same way. Yeah. I was like, damn, I like it. You know, it's interesting like on the it business... <laughs> I like it a lot. The business side of it's interesting. This film is credited for saving 20th Century Fox. Really? Because their Cleopatra royally bombed and hurt them financially like All right. terribly they almost didn't was get Cleopatra it really that bad have you seen it i haven't seen it All but right, financially it. it just it was super expensive and it tanked oh, it shit. made them broke uh paramount almost or they had the rights for this but then i think audrey hepburn was gonna play maria dropped out paramount dropped it fox picked it up and you know it's amazing and when it first was released on home video it stayed on the charts for over 250 weeks the top of the chart for five years holy holy crap that's amazing yeah yeah that's incredible what's funny is uh the real maria came on set it's a little tragic that whole thing she came on set and robert wise didn't like her he called her bossy which i'm like well yeah have you watched your movie she's very opinionated right she says that in your script right (laughs) right 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 you should probably bossy. <laughs> but what's too bad is she wasn't invited to the premiere. What? How do you? Yeah, she kind of waited because she thought that she was going to get invited to the premiere of her story and never did. And she reached out to a producer just kind of like, can I get a t- Can I buy a ticket? And they're like, I'm sorry, it's sold out. <sighs> That's kind of not awesome. Dude, Robert Wise, fuck you, bro. Yeah, that's that's too bad. Well, but it did great. It got a lot of Oscars: best picture, best director, director best editing, music. best sound. Yeah, as it should have. As it should. It's good. It's good stuff, man. So, I guess the real question: Does it deserve to be on this list? Hundred percent. Right. 100%. Would you re- recommend it? Hundred percent. Totally. I would recommend it to people who don't even like musicals. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a great gateway drug to other musicals. <laughs> oh, and it's also considered, or it's um, adjusted for inflation. Uh-huh. It's the most successful um, musical. musical. Yeah, I saw that. Greece like... beat it box office wise, but adjusted for inflation, Sound of Music still wins. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw something that was just like it was, uh, you know, it was made for like what eight million or something like that. Yeah, and then I think like based on adjusted gross, fucking like one hundred seventy million dollars. It's made over. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Know, over the years, I'm like, fuck, that's great. And people all around the world still love it. They still in Austria have the tours. I know. I just saw that, which is kind of ironic because Austria doesn't really. It's not really a known movie there. I don't really know why, but like they don't, it's kind of ignored. Like they don't really have that soft spot, but they have that town. Yeah, they it's have like a, decked out it's for like sound and music ho- tours. It's like the 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 Shire, right? In New Zealand. Yeah. Basically, I mean, like a little. And they have like bus tours and people yeah, from all I around the world come to this thing. Well, I mean, if you love, I mean, if you love. I really do so, think this stands the test of time. I really do too. Because I'll show this to my kids. Uh huh. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll sit them down and I'll show this it's to them. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I rented this, but I'm going to go out and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm yeah. going to do the same exact thing. Because I watch this and I'm like, my wife does not like musicals that much. She's really like, 
picky you about think musicals, she'd like this she's gonna love this fucking yeah. movie because it, it just gives you all those feels man mm-hmm. like it's such a good love story you know i mean you it's can so just, smart it's, it's smartly it really is and, and it's so it's so tightly entwined uh-huh. you know and it's one of those things where like she wasn't showing up to fall in love he wasn't showing up to get this you know this governess to fall in love it just happened and yeah. it happened in such a beautiful way mm-hmm. that i'm like i believe every beat that's happening <laughs> right. here and i felt I'm, very genuine sap for this shit yeah. you know what i mean i love these types of stories and she's phenomenal yeah she, and everything she's ever done she is just pitch perfect instead of the tooth fairy but I didn't see that yeah. on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm a big fan of this, and I'd recommend it, man. I'd 100%. Go out and see it if you guys have never seen this thing. After I was done watching this movie, I tweeted Christopher... Uh, uh, Plumber, Plumber, and Julie Andrews Foundation because they don't got real Twitters because they're like ninety years old at this point. <laughs> She's eighty or whatever. What's 80. sad is uh, the the oldest daughter. She died this week. Oh, she was seventy two. She was actually eight years uh, younger than Julie Andrews. Oh, what did she die from? I don't know. I, well, I'm not really sure, but rest in peace. It's just in interesting peace, timing yeah. that we were going to do this. Yeah, and, and then it kind of happens. So actually, on our on our UFR Twitter, I tweeted just like. The you know like okay. the article about gotcha. her dying. I go check that out. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, and she was great too. Like she all was... of them, all those kids were so goddamn good. It, in some crazy way, like I was watching this thing and it blew my balls off. I was this how good this those kids were. It's not a Disney movie, right? This isn't a Disney movie. This is like good shit. Twenty first century Fox. Yeah, you know, twenty first century like nice. And this is one of I think this and Star Wars are one of the only two. 20th Century Fox movies that don't start with the Fox theme song. Oh. You know, da, 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 yeah, da, da, I didn't da, even da, have da, that da. at all. This didn't. Star Wars doesn't. It's like so. I think they just knew. Like yeah. I think. I think that's one of the things because Cleopatra did so bad and they needed this to do so well. Like you're just all in. Yeah. You're like you know what? Let's make this a signature and let's hope that it is because mm-hmm. Cleopatra sure shit wasn't. So let's <laughs> let's make this iconic and memorable. And I, mean, I think they, they did a good job. They did an amazing job. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. We did it. Yeah, man. Thank Our, you. Thank you for uh, absolutely forcing me to see such a good movie. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So, what's making you hard this week, Jonesy? Uh, let's see. I've been reading this book called uh, "Ego Is the Enemy." What's it about? Um, it's basically just about ego and how it kind of is the enemy. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a lot of people, you know, I don't have an ego. I don't have an ego. And the irony is saying I don't have an ego. That's the ego. Yeah. If you're not admitting that you have some form yeah. of it, you know, and I, you know, this, this book was recommended to me by a friend probably because I have a giant ego, I guess. I don't know. Um, but it was, it was just a beautiful story. You know, it's been a beautiful book that I've been just kind of chipping away at over the last week. Um, but one thing that kind of really came to my attention was they, they talk about, you know, jumping into your creative life or, you know, a, you know, a passion mm-hmm. in life. Right. But there's a difference between passion versus purpose. And to me, to me, it was such an eye-opening perspective because with passion, you know, the the way that I kind of took it from the book is like passion is the thing that you know gives you the spark, right? It, sure. It, but it a spark doesn't light the fire consistently, right? The spark is the thing that keeps it going. So what is the thing that keeps the fire moving? You know, you need kindling, you need all these types of things, and that's where purpose becomes. Gotcha. Okay, interesting. Right. So then you know, kind of shifted my mindset because especially being a creative and kind of doing you know some of this artistic you know work that we're we're doing, you know, what's the what's the you know, I kept asking myself, okay, well, my passion with even within this podcast was like my passion is in talking about movies, right? Like I love movies. Movies are passion for me. 
but where's the real purpose in uh-huh. just loving movies? What is it about the movies that drew me to wanted to do a podcast? You know, what's the purpose of this podcast? What's the purpose of writing a movie and trying to be in an industry where where the cards are kind of stacked against you, yeah. right? And I think for me, I've been really kind of searching through, you know, passion versus purpose and figuring out, well, what is the purpose? You know, what is the purpose of of doing the podcast or making a film or being in a marriage or owning a business or working for a company instead of doing something else or, you know what I mean? And I think if you can find whatever that, that purpose is, the passion is great because it keeps you hungry and it keeps you excited. Yeah. But you also need purpose to really, see it through i like that yeah you know at least for me you know that was one of the big takeaways i took from this book and i just really kind of been thinking about it thinking about it consistently and percolating on it so if you guys like stuff about you know philosophy and Mm. um you know hearing about how people function at a very high level and have that type of success i would recommend listening to it it's um ego is the enemy oh it's a it's an audio or it's an audio or a regular book gotcha you know i'm listening to it on on audible I listen to a lot of books on Audible because I drive a lot, so mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit easier, and I read slow. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd highly recommend it, man. It really kind of it's been opening up my eyes, thinking about things a lot different than I used to. I like that. You know what I mean? Kind of, I guess, more quieting the ego mm-hmm. that I didn't even know existed. So, nice. yes. Yeah. What about you, man? For me, uh, would be Roku. Oh, uh, I did not know this thing was so awesome. Oh, welcome to the club. Yeah. So, uh, Sony Network has been a piece of shit lately uh-huh. and having a ton of outages. And even though I don't have a PlayStation, I have a Sony Blu-ray that has the Wi-Fi thing and everything, uh-huh. and it runs on that network. And, and so, it's still giving you shit? It's still giving me shit. What? And basically saying, like, did you check your connection? Did you check this? Did you check this? It's like, look, if my phone and my laptop can hook up to the Wi-Fi and it's totally fine, listen, asshole, it's you. Yeah. It's not me, it's you. So all these suggestions, how about you look at yourself? <laughs> Have you turned it on? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, screw it. I'm buying a Roku. They're not even that expensive. They're like 50 bucks yeah. for the stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much stuff is on there. Yeah. So many. There's so many movie channels. There's so many. There's like professional wrestling channels. What? That, I guess I know what we're going to do Friday night. Seriously. But some of them are really shitty, like shitty quality. Where Who it's cares? like, why are you putting this up there if I can't see what's happening? As long as we get the Luchadore wrestling matches, I'm in. I think the, uh, there should be some. All but right. there's so many channels. There's 80s music video channels oh, that I cool. listen to when I'm like working because that way I'm not like looking at something. I can just listen to my jams. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, that'd be really distracting to me, like having, you know, giant glam rockers. You know, moose. Well, I just have it on. An, out I'm, I'm working work. in my in my office while uh-huh. it's playing in the living room. Gotcha. Um, but it's just awesome. Nice. It's it's really great, and the resolution's fantastic. The only downside is the remote that they give you. Just download the app because the remote stops pairing basically as you're setting it up. Oh, that's sad. And I looked it up online. That's like a problem. Well, like a common problem. So, but I have the app on my phone. It works beautifully. But I love it. So why'd you go with the Roku instead of something like an Apple TV? Uh, because Roku's fifty bucks and Apple TV is a lot more than that. Yeah, like a hundred. And I'm like, I love my my big screen's amazing, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't actually need like a new Blu-ray player because that one works fine on actual discs. Gotcha. 
Um, so I didn't need. I was just going to buy. Oh, another but for one. like streaming on that thing, right? It was the, oh, I got you. I always forget that like some of those new Blu-ray players have like those like you can get Netflix on the Blu-ray and all that. And that's what I'm forgetting have. about all that shit. The the Sony one I have is a 3D Blu-ray player. Gotcha. So gotcha. that has the Wi-Fi in it. And all right. So Roku, uh, Roku, we would love a sponsorship. Highly recommend. <laughs> it's amazing. What plugs you got? For uh, no plugs, man. Just if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, it's uh, the real jonesy and if you guys want to check out the stuff that i'm posting on twitter it's hey jonesy so if you guys want to follow us follow me there you guys are more than welcome to it's just pretty much about me and my travels and if you guys like little anecdotes about screenwriting or things that are happening in the movie business or whatever anything anything that i find interesting i just kind of post so Mm -hmm. that's about it and we have on twitter instagram facebook ufr podcast ufrpodcast.com go check it out go check it out um interact love the interactions that we've been having yeah man thank you guys it's so fun to kind of look at those conversations that are popping up man because it's nice to talk to people that are passionate about these things as much as we yeah i've been you know it's been great great feedback on the show and we want more of it we totally man we love having those conversations are we doing a giveaway this week uh next week where is when we're going to announce the the spider spider-man and then after that we have the Robot chicken seasons. Oh, that's right. Sweet. Yeah, we got like four seasons four of robot seasons chicken of robot that chicken. we're going to give away. Yep. Nice, man. Which is pretty cool. But <laughs> <laughs> So sign up for the giveaways. The link is at the top of both Instagram and uh, Twitter. Perfect. Follow me on Instagram, Noah Kinsey, and Twitter, the Noah Kinsey, as well as Periscope. We usually have a pre-show, but we're going to try and figure out a better way yeah, to a do Periscope, Periscope thing because yeah. it's a good it's a good thing to have. We've I've had great interaction, but we're trying to find a better way. Yeah, I mean, if you guys have suggestions too, because I mean, the face to face stuff, I kind of like to do face to face with with some of these people. Um, you know, we're kind of just thinking different types of content that you guys may want. Yeah, something different, something supplemental. Yeah, we'll see. Um, But yeah, that's it. Uh, Next week, we are doing the Disney classic Fantasia. Oh, I'm excited about this one. I love this. We went from uh, KKK Uh to Nazis Uh to socialist brooms. Well, get the job done. (laughs) All right, man. Later. (laughs) 